Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 333. My name is Brando, halfway to evil, I think. Welcome, Mr. Cliff Compton. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I got one of my cats in my background behaving very calmly, but I think you're, you have another, you have somebody with you who might be giving you some, a hard time throughout the episode. Yeah, I have my English bulldog who, uh, who's named Buster. He's here. Uh, like I was telling you earlier, usually he's asleep, but he's, I mean, he's awake. I think he wants to hear about Guns N' Roses, maybe. <laughs> he's a big fan. Uh, I'm, obviously, I am too, but throughout the theme of this podcast, throughout the 333, sometimes I, I use that GNR theme to talk to people that I want to talk to, regardless of Guns N' Roses or not. So that's why I've been able to talk to certain actors, certain you know comedians, Paulie Shore, you know, uh, Harry Shear from The Simpsons, but wrestling is, is one of my loves. I grew up with it. I still I still watch it. Not as uh, hardcore as I used to, but I, I still I'm pretty uh, aware of what's going on. So I've yeah, had nothing wrong with being a wrestling fan. I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. But uh, when I was growing up, it wasn't as cool to be a wrestling fan as it is today. I think I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a know, certain kind of stigma to it. Yeah, as popular as it was when I would say, oh, I'm going, you know, Nassau Coliseum, I would say, I'm going to go see, you know, Hulk Hogan or whoever. They'd say, oh, you watch that stuff? That's so stupid. And I'd say, no, it's not. It's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, which today is so much different because so many people watch wrestling and they, is it just it's kind of part of the culture and everything now. It's just accepted, which is awesome. But it's just, you know, times have changed, I guess, right? It has. I mean, for my age, I grew up with Bret Hart. And, and Shawn Michaels, and I got out of it. I got out of it for a few years, but then 1998—that just it was a huge year for, you know, oh, yeah. you know, Stone Cold and The Rock. So I mean, I was that was just my wheelhouse for a while. So that sucked me back in, and you know, it's the, been, attitude. the attitude era. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, everybody. It's that's that's why I like Guns N' Roses. Did the attitude era of of hair metal? There's my my kind of parallel right there. Uh, but I, well, you were, I remember wa- though watching you when you were part of, uh, Domino, Deuce and Domino. How many, yes. how many years ago? How long, how long were you in WWE? We, we were hired back when they had Ohio Valley Wrestling, which was OBW, which was their developmental, developmental system. And that's way before the performance center and all that. So we started doing Deuce and Domino, believe it or not, in probably late 2004, and then it it uh, came on to WWE TV, and I think er, January of 2007. So me and Jimmy Snooker Jr. were doing it for a while under WWE's developmental system, and that's how it worked in those days. Everybody went to OVW um, as developmental talent, if that makes sense. Sure. And then you got called roster. So we went to SmackDown. I, yeah, I believe it was January 2007. 
yeah. I think we start. We debuted in Little Rock, Arkansas, of all places. Wow. I mean, I, with I, say that last part again. I'm sorry, because like with the Zoom, it's sometimes it's cutting you off by accident. I forgot with Sherry as well. Oh, with, with Sherry, of course. You had the, uh, the 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 1950s kind of greaser kind of vibe. Uh, for those who aren't familiar. Yeah. We um, initially that whole act was kind of like loosely based off the Outsiders movie. And um, I was more trying to be a little more edgy. And Jimmy, who was Deuce, he wanted to be more like Grease. So we kind of tried to find a middle ground there. And I was kind of more trying to be not so happy-go-lucky Grease guy. I wanted to more be more tough, if that makes sense. So I kind of, you know, I would do different mannerisms and, and he was, uh, he was awesome. It was just, we kind of viewed the characters a little differently. Okay. And then, uh, WWE obviously wanted them to be, uh, you know, PG oriented and kind of just, you know, like more of a grease aspect because they thought that the audience could relate to that more, you know, as opposed to just two street thugs. But it, it was, you know, for what it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think it's kind of in, 2022, I think we have this bizarre cult following where people will always talk about Deuce and Domino because they don't know it. And then they, they YouTube it or whatever, and they go, oh, look at that. That was, that was you know, wild and weird. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to me. See, I enjoy it. There's obviously a crossover with my listenership that also enjoys wrestling like I do, in addition to loving Guns N' Roses. But again, what I was saying, this has given me the excuse to talk to cool people so on the show that i've had you know lucky to have drew mcintyre uh charlotte yeah. flair and your buddy cm punk who yeah who gave me the idea because i mean with him it was just not just talking wrestling and gnr i mean he was promoting a horror movie at the time something else i really love <clears throat> yes. but, but before we even i i maybe geek out more with you about wrestling though we got to talk about the gnr thing and he kind of left off I want to see if you can add to his story. It was when you guys uh, saw GNR. You were invited by Bumblefoot uh, to yeah. the show in Chicago, and you know Axel was late. You know, not anymore, but that's the period when he was. Uh, that was par for the course, and he just showed up. Go ahead. That was 2011. I'm pretty sure late 2011, maybe November-ish, and it was All State Arena. Yeah, and it was it was ice cold and. Um, uh, punk was on the road still and I was like hey we gotta you know we gotta go to GNR they're coming to Allstate Arena and, and it was on a weeknight I think it might have been a Tuesday so he had gotten home that day and um, through a mutual friend we got in touch with Bumblefoot who's actually an old school wrestling fan I don't know if you knew that I don't think I did he used to, watch, he used to like Bob Backlund and all that <laughs> but anyway so he got us uh, tickets to be in the back and all that. So it was, um, it was punk myself, Sammy Zane ended up being there, okay. which is a whole other wild story. But, um, that was an awesome show. It really was. And that was the lineup with, uh, DJ Ashba and Bumblefoot and Axel. Uh, but yeah, that, that show, they killed it. It was like three hours nonstop. And we got to be on the stage, which was crazy. Like we were right, right across from Dizzy Reed, and because we were Bumblefoot's guests, I guess. <laughs> and he would come over. He would come over, you know, when he had a break in his 
his guitar playing and he'd say, you guys need anything? And we'd just be like, you know, this is insanity. <laughs> uh, but no, that was a lot of fun. Axel was not that late. The whole band was there early and we were hanging out in the back and Bumblefoot was like the greatest host. He was just, he was like, whatever you got, you know, and nobody else was back there. And it wasn't like uh, what you would expect. It wasn't like this huge uh, party atmosphere. It was pretty much just the band, the technicians, and that was really it. Um, everyone was super cool. And, um, they, you know, Axel, when Axel gets there, you know, obviously they get the heads up, I guess. And then they have a little meeting and they literally just walked on stage. The, the whole, the whole uh, arena goes black. And that was when they used to play the Dexter theme before they walked out, which was really cool because I was a huge Dexter fan. Yeah, me too. So I'm geeking out over the Dexter theme, and then all of a sudden, you know, they just tear into Welcome to the Jungle, and it was like, you know, three hours of just, holy shit, this can't get any better. You know? <laughs> but it was pretty cool to see how it, it played out. Like, they're all, you know, they knew Axel was on his way, and, and then he gets there, literally. He, he came down the ramp, and he's already dressed and ready to go. And they literally just hand him the microphone and they all just walk on stage. Like it was just, they had a little kind of a huddle, like a go team thing, you know, and then it was off to the races. I, see. I mean, that was a, that was a, that was a night. I don't think any of us will ever forget for many reasons. It was just a good fun time. And I forgot that Sammy Zane was part of that story. And I'll ask about that, but you'll probably concur with what punk said about how, Axel kind of just walked, you know, from off stage right onto stage. It's a very wrestling kind of entrance, right? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, guess that's amazing. Like, I, I didn't, you know, I've never been, I've been backstage at concerts, but this, you know, as being a huge fan, it was interesting to me to just see how the band interacted. They all, they all got along and they're all just kind of just, just waiting. And then he just literally, he had some people with him. I think uh, the tour manager, and he's, he's, like I said, he was all dressed, ready to go right out. And they did like this little huddle, and it was kind of just like, you know, here we are, let's go do this. And literally, the lights go out, the Dexter theme, and then we got whisked onto stage, and then they went right into Walking in the Jungle. And he, and he literally just walked on stage like he was walking to the store, like it was nothing for him. <laughs> killed it for three hours, and I was like, you know, damn. I don't know if he warms up on the tour bus or he warmed up in his hotel, but he was ready to go. Was that your or first time seeing them? Go. Sorry. Oh, was that your first time? Was that you growling or was that your, your buddy growling? That's Buster? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I didn't, I, he's he's kind of in the interview now. Sorry. No, he wouldn't be the first dog on this show, honestly. He wouldn't be the first nor the last. Uh, was that your first Guns N' Roses show? No, no. I had seen them. I saw when they came back, obviously, remember the MTV video awards? Like, what was it? 2001, maybe 2002. Back out of nowhere. And Buckethead yeah. was there. And they uh, did a tour right after that. And I saw them at Madison Square Garden. Um, and it was a huge snowstorm. It was in December. And then that was the last show they did. They didn't finish the tour. They canceled it after that. We There's were at the same show. I think we were at the we're, same. So, really? December fifth, two thousand and two. Yeah. Uh, yes, that was the blizzard at MSG. You were there. That was my that was my first show, my first Guns N' Roses that show. Was, 
that was a great show. They played uh, Think About You, which I don't, they never play live. And uh, I, that show was awesome. I remember thinking it wasn't going to happen because of the blizzard. Right. And uh, it still did. But I'd actually seen them many years before when I was like in middle school at Nassau Coliseum. It might have been like 1991. And it was like, they were very late, I remember, like really late. And um, I don't remember much of the show because I was so young. I remember being in awe of the crowd because how rowdy it was. I'd never been a part of such a rowdy audience before in my life. And you, it was in, in a fun way. It was just a bunch of crazy teenagers all just ready to rock, you know? Well, I'm glad you had that experience because uh, you're a little older than me. I, in 1991, I... I was first seeing the, the Ninja Turtles at Radio City Music Hall. I just, I wouldn't be allowed. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those shady, not shady, but it was a friend's brother somehow got tickets and it was a last minute thing. And we were like, you know, I, that might've been one of the first concerts I've ever been to. And, you know, it was supposed to start at eight or nine. They didn't go on till like after midnight. They were stuck in New Jersey. I don't remember, but I just remember being like, this is crazy. Like I, I, it was so loud and just it was fun but i was just you know I, I i was pretty young probably too young to be there in those days so where did you because we're obviously i i'm realizing we're some from the same area where did you grow up what town did you grow up in on long island I grew up in garden city new york okay baldwin yeah baldwin for me and then i um was in west hempstead for a while okay before i out of new york i was living in west hempstead and uh, I still have two sisters on Long Island, Massapequa, and then one's still in Garden City, and then I have some family in uh, Manhattan. So, you know, I'm, I do miss all the concerts that would come through New York, even though Vegas here, I just saw Guns N' Roses here, but New York, there's something special about, I think, Madison Square Garden seeing a concert. Some people disagree with that, but I think it's the best venue. The That's just me. I mean, the garden is great. Uh, the Coliseum, which you mentioned, I mean, they've renovated it. I'll, I got to see how the new Coliseum is uh, going to be because it was just um, a hole in the wall. It was uh, the barn, you know. If you're, I don't know if you're yeah. an Island, Islanders fan or not. No, I used to go to a lot of Islanders games, but th they built a new building by Belmont, right? Yeah, yeah. I have yet to go, but is is Nassau Coliseum still open? Do they still do stuff there? Yeah, concerts, but it doesn't hold the same. I mean, they've had some Islander games there. I think just for nostalgia reasons but it's not meant for that yeah because <laughs> so. when we went to um wwe would go there it, it was old inside like they hadn't revamped it or renovated it was still an old i mean i know they re they redid it but when i was there it was old like i didn't realize how old it was yeah but um and i guess it's one of the last arenas that hasn't been like a uh, franchise it's still just nassau coliseum nassau county right yeah, Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. That's yeah, that's yeah. memorial. Yeah, that that's it. Uh, so that's that's cool, man. So what I, I'm curious about, unless I'm just like asking like a silly question, because how do friends find out friends' common interest? Like you and CM Punk finding out that you both like Guns N' Roses and Sami Zayn, or is that, or is it kind of come down yeah. to like what gets played in the locker room? How do you figure those those things out? Um, Punk was a GNR fan, and uh, he, you know a lot of people. I think they all like GNR, and I think they're all a little intrigued by them because they are a very intriguing band. Obviously, 
Uh, Sami Zayn was a diehard GNR fan, as is uh, Kevin Owens. He's a huge GNR fan. So Sammy was just in town for some reason. So he kind of just struck gold. <laughs> like he didn't even know they were there. And he was just like, wait, you guys are going to GNR? So we were able to get him a last minute ticket, I think. So he was just like, you know, he hit the lottery. He was like in, in, in heaven. So he's a huge fan. I mean, a lot of wrestlers are Guns N' Roses fans. Miz actually is a big Guns N' Roses fan. Um, there's I, I, a lot of people have similar likes in music, but I feel like everyone was kind of definitely GNR fan, but in that era anyway. Now I don't know because I'm a little older, like like you were saying. Well, not that much older, but what I find interesting, though, because, yeah, anybody could be a GNR fan, and that's part of the hook why I do this podcast, not just because they're my favorite. Everybody knows Sweet Shot on the Mind and Paradise City, yeah. But I, I tweeted this to Kevin Owens once. I was like, what's your favorite song off Chinese Democracy? And he said, better. That's a real Guns N' Roses fan because – Yeah. So he, the, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that's what I, I, I would like to know because CM Punk seems like a, a real GNR fan. So did Drew McIntyre. So that's what I like. That it's not just the blow in the wind. Uh, yeah, I like uh, November Rain. You guys seem to be yeah. diehards. Yeah. Punk, Punk's the guy you could name, you know, the original lineup. He, he, he He's, you know, I don't know if he's a, I wouldn't say GNR is his favorite band, but he, you know, he, he definitely likes them. Uh, it's funny because Kevin, well, I, when I was wrestling Kevin Steen, uh, he had wanted to use better as his entrance music, but I guess they didn't have any, because you have to pay for it, obviously, if it's in Ring of Honor and it's on TV. And I don't think um, they were even interested in licensing it out in those at that time. But yeah, Better was his favorite song. I was a big, uh, I love Better, but I liked Madagascar a lot, a real lot. And um, Street of Dreams, which I think was originally called The Blues, right? Yeah, look at you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I it was, I loved Chinese Democracy. I don't think it gets enough credit. Um, I thought that that whole, obviously it was, what, a 10, 12-year buildup? I really enjoyed it. It got, you know, I'm not the type of person who criticizes stuff, you know, like I just, it, if it wasn't great, I wouldn't be the type of guy to be like, oh, that thing sucked. But I thought it was, I, I, I listened to probably Chinese Democracy almost every day at the gym. Not the whole thing, but different songs. But yeah. better is great. Better reminds me of early GNR for sure, for sure. But uh, I, I Madagascar, I think, is my favorite song on the whole, the whole thing. Because I heard Madagascar when they played it in Rock and Rio, way back, right, right before the Music Awards, and I was like, this song's unbelievable. And then when they had like um, part of the Martin Luther King speech in there and some stuff from the movies, so I was like, this is awesome. If this is like just a little bit of what Chinese democracy will be like. I'm like, it's well worth the wait. <laughs> and when it came out and they, the record came out at Best Buy, right? They had like an exclusive. So I went and I got the CD and the record, which I still have the record. Me too. Cool. It's right behind me on my left, on my, over my left shoulder. All right. But no, <laughs> I'm not a Chinese democracy hater at all. Not that many people are, but I thought it, I mean, if you're a diehard GNR fan and to get new music from them, for me, it was it was it was awesome. They had that one song. What was it? Um, that was in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, An End of Days. Oh my God! Oh my God! That was the only other one that came out, and that one was kind of not really. They didn't really get a lot of publicity for it, I didn't think, but it was still new. 
Um, but no, Chinese democracy, I was really impressed, you know. That's but there was so much hype for it, so uh, I thought it was great. So and then just to see them touring again, I was like, this is this is even better. We're on the same page. Absolutely. That's yeah. how I felt. So I guess when you're, you're such a diehard fan and you've become BFFs with Bumble, you know. Well, uh, I, I don't know if we're BFFs. Uh, I know. I spoke uh, while. He, he was, I will say, as talented as he was, he was probably one of the nicest people I've ever run into. Just the, the greatest guy. And, uh, you know, I, I would follow. I, I actually used one of his songs in Ring of Honor to come out to. I can't remember what it was called, but he was so cool. He was like, yeah, whatever you want. Just play whichever one. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, he, he was awesome. Well, let me ask, because you, you probably can understand the maybe d- the dilemma being in, in wrestling where somebody asks you to, like, you're, you're inviting something down to a match and like, hey, can I go meet so-and-so? Like, are you going to Bumble? Hey, can I meet Axel? You know, can I, are, are, is any of that happening? That, that was, you know, because obviously I, we saw him, we saw Axel, we met the whole band um, and the show was over. And Bumblefoot says to us, do you want to, I think he said, do you want to meet the boss? I think that's how we put it. And, uh, you know, me and Sammy were like, Axel? <laughs> and he was, because Axel had his own dressing room, which wasn't far away. And it was nothing what I would expect it to be this elaborate. It was just a room pretty much. And it had some, you know, like, um, like a cold cuts dish or something with, and then some like finger foods. So Bumblefoot was like, do you want to meet him? And, you know, Bumblefoot had a pretty good amount, I think, of drinks during the concert. So he was in a very friendly mood. <laughs> and we were like, we'll, we'll go meet him if it's cool. Like, we don't want to interrupt whatever he's doing. He just played for three hours. And then Bumble was like, no, he's got to meet all these people from the radio station that won some contest. So we go over there, and there's like a long line out of his dressing room. And it, it, it looks like people that might have won a radio contest because they're all just waiting. So Bumblefoot's like, he just cuts the line and we go right into the dressing room and Axel's just sitting there in in a white bathroom. (laughs) And uh, it's me, Punk, and Sammy. And I was like, whoa, this is not what I expected. Like, I didn't think he'd be right here. (laughs) And he was kind of looking down and he had some other people in the room. And uh, I remember he was drinking a Heineken and he was just kind of, sounds like he was just decompressing from this show and i it felt kind of weird like maybe we shouldn't be in here but bumblefoot just kept talking and talking and he was kind of like um yeah go say hi and we were like i don't you know we don't he doesn't look like he he wasn't in a bad mood or anything but just you didn't want to bother the guy after he just killed it for three hours and he was in a, yeah. a bathrobe and it looked like he was about to get in the shower so <laughs> sammy was a little different he, he was pretty hell-bent on meeting axel but granted, he Axel was only ten feet away. But you know, you didn't want to say, you know, hey Axel, look over here. <laughs> and we were kind of on the same page of like, okay, this is really cool, but maybe we should kind of leave and let him do his thing. And then Sammy had kind of just said, you know, hey Axel, and it kind of got his attention. And then uh, he went over to shake his hand, and Axel wasn't really wasn't ready to shake hands yet. And it was <laughs> it was a funny, funny situation that. Probably could have gone horribly wrong, but didn't. And it was my favorite Sami Zayn moment of all time because he, he just he interrupted Axel after a killer three-hour set in Chicago, 
and was like, just put his hand right there and was like, hey, Axel, I'm a big fan. And he was just so starstruck and happy to see Axel Rose because this was a guy who five hours ago wasn't even going to be at the show. And now he's in Axel Rose's dressing room. So he's just like, hey, I got nothing to lose, right? And it was, uh, you know, Sammy's a funny guy. And it was, it was, it's a moment that I think Sammy will never forget. I'm sure Punk won't either. But uh, so after that, we, we politely departed the dressing room and went back to the Bumblefoot area of the uh, arena. And then we left shortly after that. But it was, that was my meeting with, I didn't really get to meet him. He was technically across like 10 feet sitting on his couch. Um, that, that was it. Then we just left. So I kind of met him, but didn't get to meet him. So that's my that was my meeting of Axl Rose story, which to me is 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 good enough because the whole Sami Zayn thing made it even better. It does, and I have this just this whole animation going on in my head right now. If if for those who watch and know Sami Zayn's character, I'm just picturing it. You know, this over the top friendly guy, and then. Maybe this does he have a sullen look on his face? Like, what does Axel do? Is he, just... um, he was like, definitely it kind of starstruck, but at the same time, he's still Sami Zayn, which is a lot like you see on TV, just this, you know, kind of wacky wackiness to him in, in a harmless way. Yeah. And, I, and he kept saying, oh, you know, maybe I can get a picture with him. I go, I wouldn't ask him for a picture. Like, I just don't think he's ready to start taking pictures, or maybe he doesn't even want to. And, and, and he's like, oh, come on. You know, what, when are we ever going to be able to see Axel again? And I was like, oh. And Punk, uh, Punk's kind of like, I wouldn't bother the guy. You know, I don't even know if we should be in here. Then Sammy, he had no fear. He went right up. He, he did get rejected. But, hey, at least he tried, you know. At least he tried. So I, I, I do think the story is better because he got rejected and it was so comical. It was just, I mean, that's something I'll never forget. I think that does make a better story for it yeah i gotta get kevin owens, when i told kevin owens that story he almost fell on the ground laughing <laughs> that's sammy as sammy zane as it gets to go and interrupt you know one of the most famous rock stars of all time for a picture after he's you know just you know just just killed it for three hours that's funny so, uh, it, but did, no that that was a great night did that great register night. at all with uh with bumblefoot because you said he was feeling good was you just like oh okay guys maybe not now let's go he was just, Bumblefoot was just all about a good time. He's like, oh, all right, you guys, we can go and do whatever you want. You know, let's, let's go. And then he, he was just kind of, you know, chumming up with the people in the line after that. And uh, we left shortly thereafter because I think they had to skedaddle to the next city maybe. But that, uh, no, Bumblefoot was probably one of the most gracious hosts I've ever had. Like, he was just very accommodating. Nice. Well, it's yeah. clear that you're a diehard GNR fan, and you are um, you're officially retired now. You retired back in you... yes, I after almost twenty years, believe it or not, of being in the ring, Oof. which is hard to believe. It sounds sounds long, but uh, yeah, no, I don't do any more in ring stuff for a few reasons, but uh, no, I, I'll do appearances and whatnot, but I, I don't think I'll ever actually wrestle again, just because. I, I don't think I would be nearly as good as I was, and I don't want to be, you know, the guy who just is doing it for the hell of it, you know? Okay. And uh, I'm happy with what I did. I really am. And then just a lot, you get beat up doing that stuff, though. A lot of people don't realize that. It, it starts to, the bump card, as they say, starts to add up. 
And after a while, you just start to hurt. And I was like, you know what? I think I think it's time to, you know, hang it up. So I'm glad I did that. Right on. Because some people feel, some guys, they go too long, I think. And it's not because they want, it's not, it's all they know, you know? They don't have to know how to do anything else. Not that that's a bad thing, but it just, it gets to the point where it's like, you know, do I still want to do this? It's, it's getting to the point where it's not in front of a lot of people. And then once it stops being fun for me, I didn't want to do it anymore. And because uh, I'm not, I don't, I, I still love wrestling. I'm not, I don't hate it or anything. I love it. Uh, but it was, I just knew when my time was up that that was, that was me personally. Everybody's different. I just knew the in-ring stuff had, had gone as far as it, it should go, I thought. Okay. Well, it's good that you're going out the way you want to go out and with a certain understanding and not holding on. Like you said, people could hold on and can get really hurt, you know, if their their body is not what it used to be, but in their mind it is. So I, I hear what you're saying. But I guess exactly. uh, with that, I guess, because I missed the opportunity to see you wrestle in axle gear. You know, there's, yeah. there, so can you kind of talk about that? Uh, Cliffy don't surf, you know, cause I, um, <laughs> this, these were the days of when, before you would see a lot of wrestlers kind of pay tribute to other wrestlers by wearing their gear. Like nowadays you see that a lot, which I think is really cool. So I was doing the whole Cliff Compton stuff, which was at that time, Cliff Compton was the loud mouth, obnoxious type of person, but I wanted a, a, a different look and just, you know, the classic wrestling look. So the, it's funny. I, I obviously the it was the Axel in the user illusion days wore the, the Manson shirt and on the back it said Charlie Don't Surf. And as a kid, everyone wanted that shirt, but no one knew where to get it. <laughs> and and uh, as years went by, you were able to buy them somewhere online, whether it was eBay or whatnot. And then I had a friend and he was like an unreal graphic designer and he kind of made it into my own and we just replaced charlie with cliffy and i would wear it to the ring but i still didn't wear a shirt and then the reason it's crazy the reason i started wrestling in that shirt believe it or not is i got poison oak really bad huh. like really bad and it was all over my chest and back and uh i forget where i was wrestling but they were like you cannot go out in the ring looking like that you look crazy like people are gonna think you just like you're a burn victim or something you know <laughs> so i'm like you know what i'll wear my clip you don't surf shirt and i'll just take the sleeves off it so then a lot of people this was way back in like 2011 probably or 2010 so people were like hey where do i get that shirt and then i was like oh i can sell a few of them so then i just kept wearing it and then i also added the um the skeleton leather jacket which i thought was the coolest leather jacket of all time and a lot of people in the wrestling world liked it, but they didn't put together that it was kind of an Axl Rose look. And then when I would tell them, they'd go, oh, okay, you know, and they were like, that's cool. But, yeah, no, I used that. And then um, the shirts and the jacket were big. And then sometimes I would do the bandana stuff, but I don't know. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't wear a bandana as good as Axl Rose did. <laughs> yeah. I, was, yeah, I was wondering. Jacket, oh. jacket, I still have the jacket. Did you have that jacket made or did you buy it? Like, how did you go out about getting the jacket? I saw that in a store somewhere and I couldn't believe it. And uh, huh. so I bought it and I just bought it to have it. I wasn't going to really wear it. And then I said, this is the perfect jacket to wear to the ring. And uh, if I don't know if you remember La Parka, 
he kind of dressed in like a full skeleton kind of look. So oh. some people thought it was like a, a tribute for La Parca. And I was like, no, it's actually a jacket that Axl Rose used to wear in the 80s. Um, okay. But some people just thought it was a cool jacket, and it is. Um, and he actually kind of wears it nowadays on some of the shows as like a throwback to the old days. Um, so, yeah, I still have it. It doesn't fit as well as it used to, but it's still, it's still around. I was wondering that because obviously a nerd like me understands the, the Cliffy Don't Surf reference, Charlie Don't Surf reference. I'm like, how many people are actually getting that reference? So it's not, set, not how a- many fans got it. And they would say, someone would people would say, why don't you surf? And I'm like, uh, that's not really. <laughs> I'm like, I just, and then I would, some of the wrestlers would get it and they go, oh, it's a playoff that old shirt from, and, and very few people, put two and two together they just assumed i didn't like to surf and I, <laughs> whatever you know um but yeah that that was uh that was just kind of like came out of nowhere and my friend was he's a the graphic design guy and he whipped it up in no time so yeah that and then i actually got an action figure made and it had the clippy don't surf shirt and the jacket which was pretty cool yeah so the, so that online as well i was like yeah. wait is that an axle action figure oh no that's cliff I mean, it looks good. Did a great yeah. job with it. Did, did yeah, we- those guys. I think that was uh, wrestling figures company. Yeah, but no, that that was. Um, I thought that gear was cool. Um, and, it, and sometimes I'd wear the red clip you don't surf shirt or a white one, or but usually black ones. But yeah, and uh, for a little while that was a, a pretty good seller over at Pro Wrestling Tees back in the day. What uh. What did you use as your theme song at that time? Obviously, you couldn't use GNR. No, I uh, in Ring of Honor it was one of Bumblefoot's songs, and then I used to actually come out to Dave D, and the song was called "Hold Tight," and it was from the Death Proof soundtrack, oh, a Quintino movie. Um, and there was something about that song that I just loved, and. Um, I was working for OVW and Jim Cornette was booking at the time and he, he would approve your entrance music. And I said, I want to use this song from death proof. And he liked it. So I would come out to that for a while and, and it was pretty catchy. I don't know if you ever heard it, but it's from, it was cause death proof is one of my favorite movies, the Kurt Russell and the stunt, stuntman Mike character. But yeah, so I came out to uh, Dave D uh, hold tight for a while. I'm sure I've heard it because I love Death Proof and uh, Planet Terror. That whole uh, yeah, the exactly. Death, yeah, yeah. Look, we have so much in common. I the Guns and Roses songs on independent shows. Uh, I think if I ever came out to one, it was Welcome to the Jungle or Mr. Brownstone, just for you know for fun. Because you know, I mean, whenever you do an independent show, who's ever running the music, they're going to have appetite for destruction. You know, so. For fun, I would do that. Or maybe I came out to You Could Be Mine a few times. But I like the ones that started out faster, you know? Sure. Well, as I guess a wrestling expert, I should ask, uh, you couldn't answer whether it would happen uh, if it happened in the 90s, I guess. What, uh, the Izzy, excuse me, when uh, Izzy got punched in the face by Vince Neil, then Vince wanted to fight uh, Axel. So who would you take, Axel or Vince, in a fight, whether it's then or even now? Who do you think uh, would win? I don't know. I think Axel's, uh, you know, he, he he seems pretty pretty crazy. I mean, you've seen him jump in the crowd and stuff, and <laughs> he's whacked some people. Just So I would have to go with Axel, I think, okay. then and now. 
Good answer. Right answer. <laughs> that's what a lot. That's what uh the former. I'm friendly with one of the former GNR managers, Doug Goldstein, and he's and he's a, uh, you know, it's martial arts, everything like that. He's like, but you can't teach crazy, and Axel is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of that in the wrestling world too. So some of those guys were, you know, phenomenal wrestlers but there was definitely a level of craziness to some people and you just you knew you wouldn't want to mess with them just because they had that level of you know unpredictability mm. is there that's uh, i don't know if there's so much of that today but it was just you know wrestlers are a rare breed you know and we had some some people that you'd want to be around just in case you know shit hit the fan because you knew like they were ready to go at any time you know <laughs> They were very, you know, just not in a, just good people to know, as, as I would say. I hear, know? I hear, yeah. And I don't know if you follow uh, Del James on Twitter, the GNR tour. I, I do. I mean, he's a huge wrestling guy, like huge. Huge fan. Loves, um, loves AEW, and he's he used to go to like the PWG shows. Um, I've met him actually, and he's he's another great guy. But no, he is a big wrestling fan. Um, loves like the documentaries, you know, wrestling with shadows, all that type of stuff. Uh, it's crazy though. Yeah. He, he's a giant wrestling fan. Hmm. Cause it makes me wonder. Cause if, if Axel was ready to meet you guys, I would like to know. I, I have to imagine Axel's like an old school wrestling fan. I feel like he would know about Bruno San Martino. He would know some of the old so. school. He knows the big names, you know, I mean, I don't know if he's into wrestling. I have no, I know Bumblefoot, when he was growing up, he, he was part of the era where Bob Backlund was champion. And he was, he would tell me that he would go see Bob Backlund. Um, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to know if Axel actually ever watched wrestling or what his actual thoughts are on it. You know, I don't know that that'd be very interesting. All right. Well, one day I'll, I'll leave it to you to find that out. Cause I don't, I don't think I'm getting him on here anytime yeah, soon. I, I would be curious to know who his favorite wrestler is that that'd be a great, a great one to know who's your uh like to ask his mount rushmore but who's your mount rushmore of wrestlers oh Have you i been- think there's i think there's too many great wrestlers to just put on mount rushmore you know because there's wrestling is goes so far back i mean i think people do their mount rushmore with their personal favorites i don't know i mean you could do it with your then you could do that if you want or you can pass if you're <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> no i think like I would go back to like the days of Gorgeous George because he was one of the original characters in wrestling, like the original, uh, an original villain, you know, and he was, he was so famous in his day. Like same with Freddie Blassie, they were considered like, you know, big time celebrities. And it's just so much time has gone by unless you're a diehard wrestling historian, people don't realize that. So there's so many, you know, and obviously Bruno San Martino or Andre the Giant, and then you get into you know, Hulk Hogan, who's just a, a ticket selling machine and then Stone Cold. But one of my I think one of my favorite wrestlers personally of all time is Brett Hitman Hart. Um, I, to me, growing up, like there was nothing cooler than Bret Hart because he was so good in the ring. And then his name was Hitman, which, you know, as a kid, I was like, that's such a badass name, the Hitman. And he wore pink and black and he had the. You know, I love the Hart Foundation, but when he went, when he beat Mr. Perfect, I was there, SummerSlam 91, match made in heaven, match made in hell. Like, 
that's when I was like, Bret Hart is as good as it gets. And then he became the champion. I was like, this guy is awesome. And I, I've met him. I'm not friends with him by any means, but I've just, I've told him, I go, you're just, there was nothing bad about you. Like everything you did was awesome. And he just said, well, thank you very much. I said, I told him he's my personal favorite wrestler of all time for me. He's a lot of people's, but my personal favorite is Bret the Hitman Hart. Um, you know, some people will say Stone Cold, and he's awesome, but I just, I can watch any Bret Hart match. Like, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold are some of my favorite matches, you know? Uh, but, yeah, Bret Hart, to me, was is the definition of a professional wrestler. He had it all. He had everything. That was better. I, I don't know. I'm so with you. I have those Hart. glasses somewhere in my room. I have them still. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because he used to then get out of the ring and put him on one of the kids. And, you know, that was when Jerry Lawler was the announcer. And, he, you know, even when he would he wrestled Jerry Lawler, like it was he, everything Brett did was I think when he became the villain in the late 90s, that was some of his best stuff because everyone knew him as the nice, nice Bret Hart. And all of a sudden he was like, you know, I hate Americans. And, you know, <laughs> we all, all should be like Canada. And I was like, oh, man. And I, I still couldn't hate him, though. I still liked him, you know, even though he hated us. But, yeah, I thought, yeah, when Brett was the inner, like, you know, Brett versus Davy Boy Smith, those matches, like, I don't know. Brett had this energy, and everything he did was so crisp and so perfect. I don't think he's obviously one of the he's, he's one of the best storytellers and technicians. Like, he's he gets a lot of credit, but I still think he deserves more credit. I really do. Right on. And, uh, yeah, I think I just Bret Hart is, and he recently said his favorite wrestler of today's generation is CM Punk, which I thought was really cool. Oh wow, I thought that was really yeah. I, I didn't hear him say that. That's very that is wow. That is very cool. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm so well, lockstep with you with Bret Hart. Oh, that's uh, while I have you here, just some get a curiosity. How do you feel about the state of wrestling now? How it's what WWE is doing uh, as far as, I mean, I don't know. It seems to be a lot of turnover there. AEW signing a lot of people, but the popularity is, is huge. Yeah, I mean, I just saw the WWE reported a billion dollars in profit last year. So they're doing something right. right? You right. Know? Yeah, like, I saw that too. Right. It's just, I mean, wrestling for me, it, it's just, it's much different now. And I don't think it's in, that's not a bad thing. Everything changes. Everything evolves, whether even music, movies, everything changes. I think it's just, it's a different generation. And the wrestling you see today, I don't think it's the wrestling like me and you watched where you always had a megastar. It's kind of more about the brand, I think. Like WWE is, a, is like Disney. It's a huge brand. And you're going to tune in and what you get, it's, it's going to be good, but it's the days of like, you know, Hulk Hogan, it's like, oh, let's go see Hulk Hogan. Now it's like, I think, let's go see WWE. So, you know, you're going to get a good show, but I think they, they do have a lot of turnover. So you're just, you're constantly seeing, I'm a fan of the megastar. Like, and that, that's just how I am. Just maybe because I grew up in that era. And I think um, like WWE has their, their top stars, obviously, like Brock Lesnar and Roman. I just, I, it's like, there's much more, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's it's just hard it's hard to explain like when Bret Hart was the guy you knew he was the guy if that makes sense I just think now it's there's just so many wrestlers it's you can you can kind of just swap guys out and it doesn't really make a big difference you know yeah it's no. just a different it's a different time it's not a knock on the talent it's just it's a different generation you know everything's different now 
That's why I try to, you know, I don't want to comp- completely live in the past, but then again, I'm doing a Guns N' Roses podcast, and, uh, you know, that's yeah, fine. No, I, I, think Red- <laughs> I mean, tons of people are watching it. It's definitely more um, hard hit. Like, AEW is very hard hitting. It's it's exciting. Like, it's definitely, WWE and AEW are, are definitely two different styles. So I think if you, if you like, a- WWE is a very, it's much more soap opera oriented these days, I feel. And AEW gives you a lot more wrestling action. So I always was a big fan of wrestling action and the actual matches. So AEW gives you two hours of, of good wrestling. Um, when, and WWE is three hours, and it's a lot more talking, you know? So true. it just depends on life, you know? Very true. Well, yeah, this was a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you not just about wrestling but about guns and roses and just seeing how what a diehard fan you are i get a kick out of that the people that i grew up watching are, are the fans of the same thing that i like i mean who, who would have yeah. known that we're all human beings with with similar interests well as much as a diehard fan that i am i've gone to, i went to the a show gnr show in august at Allegiant stadium where the raiders play and there are fans there that made me look like a novice. I mean, I'm talking like full-blown, dressed up, you know, no. I mean, I think I know every word, but, I mean, they were they were real diehards. And, and I'm a diehard, so they made me look like just some Johnny-come-lately, you know? And I was like, whoa. But uh, I've always – I think GNR are kind of like the new Rolling Stones. That's just my opinion. I think they're going to go on and on until the end of time. Hopefully. You know, I hope they don't just – you know, disappear for 10 years again. So, Oh, let me ask then, uh, what did you think of absurd and hard school? I liked them. Um, I'm always a fan of, of new music from anybody. You know, it's, it's always interesting. Um, I think guns and roses are so big worldwide. Everyone just is always going to want to hear those classic hits, whether it's paradise city or sweet child of mine or estranged or don't cry. So I, I think, they, they did play one of the new songs when we were there, and I enjoyed it. But I think most of the crowd didn't really know it because it was so new. But I liked it. I liked it. Okay. I liked it, too. And Slash is around doing a lot of interviews uh, saying there's more to come. So I don't think yeah. we're, we're going to have to wait as long for Chinese Democracy 2 or whatever they're going uh, to call these upcoming releases, whether it's just singles uh, it's it's nice to know they're not going to go into hiding for a long time anymore. I hope not because I think that you know there there's such a huge fan base for them, and obviously with the not in this lifetime tour, the this numbers were insane. Um, but I like some people didn't like Axel and the other the different uh, guys like Buckethead and all those, but I was just happy to see them. I was like, hey, any version is gonna. I was happy with you know. And I thought Buckethead was awesome. You were at the Garden Show where he did his he did his uh, he did the Star Wars solo, and then he went into um, that uh, from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. When they entered the Chocolate Factory, he was playing that song at one point. And then he started giving out action figures to the crowd. I thought I thought that was awesome. That's what and then he stuck broke, out. Broke a string during Paradise City, I remember, and it was it was funny. But uh, I thought I, I've always wanted to see Buckethead just on his own. He just hasn't been around here. But he he was touring for a while. Yeah, I got to see him thankfully at BB King's Blues Club before it closed down and before oh. the pandem- uh, the pandemic. And, uh, so yeah, if you have a chance to see Bumble, uh, excuse me, Buckethead, 
Yes. Like, I never would have thought I, I would just go see a guy playing guitar for an hour and a half, two hours with the you know, yeah. KFC bucket. He does the same thing, handing out toys, nunchucks, severed monster heads, and he's awesome. Yeah, no. Nunchucks are awesome. And, and apparently, there's not been many pictures of him without the getup on. No. Apparently. This, which is, to me, is awesome because that's like old school wrestling. Like, you, you can't ever not be seen. So he probably has a great life. He can go anywhere and no one will recognize him unless he puts the. Because is that a bride? He wears the Halloween mask, right? With the KFC bucket and then says funeral on it. <laughs> I don't know. When he busted out the nunchucks in Madison Square Garden, I was. I said, this is as good as it gets. I'm sorry. You know, that was just me. I, I, I'm an easy fan, though, I think. There's a lot. It's a lot of wrestling parallels with the storylines, the villains, you know, how yeah. Axel and, and Slash were, you know, th- them coming back together to reunite like a tag team, you know, that fought, you know. So, and then Buckethead, there was weird, like, Shockmaster kind of character. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, 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 you know, that's I a reference. Had like a um, so, some sort of mythical uh, element to them that just put them above everybody else. I don't know why, because I grew up in the '80s. You know, we had Motley Crue and Poison, but there was always something about GNR that I just thought was just so badass, gangster, whatever you want to call it. I'm just like these guys are just like everything I love about everything. <laughs> and then, you know, you go see them live, and you're just like everyone around you is just having an insane time. I was like. If we could do this 24 hours a day, you know, I just, I don't know. There's something about those shows, though. I, I've seen them a bunch of times, and they get better every time. Amazing. Well, if I ever get uh, Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens on the show, i got to bring you back for a co-host. We'll see if that ever okay. happens. Uh, yeah. I'm sure Sammy could tell the story better than me, but I give him a lot of credit. He did what a lot of people wouldn't do, and that is interrupt <laughs> Axel Rose after a three-hour show to try to get <laughs> Axel just kind of politely said, "Not now, please." <laughs> Too funny. Oh, and that, I think that, that was good enough for Sammy. That was just as good as a picture to, <laughs> to be say that he got rejected. So, <laughs> I think so. I would take it. That's funny. Well, thank you, Cliff Compton. This was a, a pleasure to speak with you to talk wrestling, talk GNR, talk Long yeah. I- talk Long Island, all the things that I can relate to. Uh, so yeah. th- that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see yeah. it. I don't know if soon is the word. No! No! Yeah! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home. <laughs>